0: This episode of Inside Voices is sponsored by Lecky Scotland. You can build inquisitive and positive mindsets towards maths with Primary Maths for Scotland. It's a whole school scheme developed specifically for Curriculum for Excellence. With teacher guides, textbooks, assessment packs, it provides everything that teachers need. You can find out more about this by visiting LeckyScotland.co.uk. Welcome back to another episode of Inside Voices, a teacher podcast made by teachers for teachers. I'm your host, David. And I'm Laura. And remember, in here, we use our inside voices. Okay, this week's episode, we're going to be talking about the evolution of education, how education changes all the time. It's changed since I was at school. It's changed since I became a teacher. Can you just right off the bat, Laura, tell us one way that education has changed? for you since you were at school?
1: I think it has to be taken learners' needs into consideration. Not that that didn't happen when I was at school, of course it did, but more so based on just ability, I would say. So it's just, okay, you're really strong with numeracy, so you're in the top group or you're in this group, whatever it was. Ability-wise, that was taken into account, but I think in terms of like well-being and general you know, like awareness of neurodivergent learners, all of that, that at least from a child's perspective of what I perceived it to be when I was in school, I'm sure obviously wellbeing was cared for in that time, but I would say now there's a far greater focus on the kind of child as a whole rather than just their academic ability. You know, like yeah. I think in general now everywhere is every school is very aware of the needs of a child in terms of, you know, sensory needs, in terms of processing needs, in terms of academic ability. Like there's so much that goes into it rather than just it being if you're, you know, strong with maths or not so strong with maths. Like I think yeah. there's more to it now.
0: Yeah, so what I thought we could do, which would be interesting, because that's a really good point And I think we get to that towards the end of our discussion, because that is where we are now. But I think what it would be good to do is if we went back in time for a little bit. Oh. Do you know much about the history of education as a teacher?
1: As a teacher? N- no, because, I mean, I was brought up when, if you're in Scotland, this will make a bit more sense. But I was kind of the last... Previous curriculum year, mm-hmm. so curriculum-wise, I've only taught curriculum for excellence, and I didn't learn through cur- curriculum for excellence. But because I was like kind of bridge between both, I yep. guess I had some experiences of it. But I would say my experience of school is probably relatively similar to now. It's not h- vastly different. Obviously, there's to technology, know, yeah. and like we've spoken about before in the technology episodes and things. So if you want to go back and listen to that, I'm not going to repeat myself about it. But there's obviously the times have shifted, and those things have come into the classroom, but. In general, I would say it's pretty similar, but I'd love to
0: know a bit more. Well, let me tell you, because I've been doing my research. he has. (laughs) He's been doing his history research. I'm really interested in history, to be honest. And I literally did a quick search on what education was like back in the day. So here is how education, for anyone that's interested, has evolved. This is like brief, like whistle-stop tour of education in the UK in the last 150 years
1: politically in terms of
0: actual... I'm going to give you Education Acts. Acts, okay. Oh, he's going, he's <laughs> going deep yeah, yeah, for yeah right. First. Okay. So, Education Act 1870. Heard of it? No. Love it. Listen, <laughs> read it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I read up on it right before we came
0: in, of course. So, essentially, that spread education throughout England and Wales and eventually, and I think it was 1872, made it to Scotland. Mm. And that basically widened education from, like, religious schools and made it, like, state sponsored basically so education was given to all then in 1880 they had another education act and that education act meant that it was compulsory to go to school so the one that kids don't like too much meant it was compulsory but actually back in the day kids were still working yeah so chimneys
1: up oh, gym- right i remember essentially that essentially
0: yeah and in, essentially in mines they would go to school in the morning and then they would work in they the afternoon. they were
1: small enough to go like up the chimneys weren't they so they would put the children exactly. instead of the kids yeah it's very horrific to be honest
0: yeah it's giving Mary Poppins it's giving <laughs> like yeah
1: I don't think they're dancing on the
0: roofs though no and yeah so basically hardly any kids showed I think like something like 80% of kids would actually go to school so truancy was a really big issue um, and there was no real penalties and everything even though it was compulsory but I did read online which is interesting that literacy rates because we were talking about this in the last episode weren't we mm. uh, or two episodes ago we were talking about literacy rates oh. and literacy rates Rates from 1800 to 1900 jumped about thirty or forty percent.
1: Whoa!
0: Just because of these two education acts. So, in about the space of thirty years, because it was 1870, the space of thirty years, literacy rates went from like sixty percent up to nine, like ninety-seven percent. In boys, it was different in girls.
1: How as a teacher would you even comprehend doing that? If you're sitting in front of you, like obviously we differentiate now, but if you've got a class of children sitting in front of you Crazy. with a, an eight-year-old who's never read a single word and an eight-year-old who's yep. been brought up reading, how did they I mean, I could tell you how because it was definitely, there was no fun involved yep. like, <laughs> in that situation, but you know that's a, yeah. that is a wild concept
0: So, I don't know <laughs> if you've uh, we're kind of moving on a little bit here from the 1800s and I messaged my gran, right? She's going
1: to be so offended if she listens to this. And she's know. like, we're just moving on a little bit from the 1800s.
0: <laughs> we're moving okay. on to the 1950s. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> Moving
1: on quite a bit. hundred okay. years.
0: <laughs> so I messaged her and I was like, I'm really interested. She was a teacher, but I was really interested to see what she did at school. Um, and how her like day at school as a child was. She did say she couldn't remember much of it um, or the memories that she had were interesting. I want to pull out some of the memories that she had. So first of all, and this is, you can jump in at any point and say like how different it is and everything. <laughs> so this is hilarious. I thought that was, this is brilliant. In primary six and seven, she went to a small country school. In primary six and seven, the headmaster was her teacher. Okay. <laughs> and every Friday... <laughs> afternoon, they were left on their own with drawing books and pastels, I don't know, like crayons, oil pastels, that kind of thing, because he went to the bank to withdraw money for what she thinks was the teacher's wages.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Can you imagine waiting at your head teacher's door like, can I have my wages, please, (laughs) Like on a Friday? Please pay me. Like, please pay me for what I've done.
0: And the class is just sitting on their own, drawing for the whole Friday afternoon. (laughs) Like, isn't that hilarious? <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, wait till you hear this. So the school day, this is quite common. The school day started with them reciting the Lord's Prayer and then there was a Bible story. So they had that every day, which is totally different now. Mental arithmetic, spelling from a book, all this is kind of stuff that's continued yep. on. It's pretty pretty normal.
1: Reading, writing and arithmetic.
0: Exactly. She used a slate and a slate pencil, which I was actually saying to you is quite interesting because I've kind of gone back to that. yeah. Like we use whiteboards, but then I went for those the writing tablets, the like writing the tablets, LCD ones. Yeah, exactly. They're quite good. Um, they had an open fire in the classroom.
1: <laughs> Can you imagine the risk assessments?
0: The risk assessments you would have to do now,
1: like the risk assessments for that, would be a hundred pages long.
0: Awful. Uh, She said that the slate and slate pencils were not good for teacher nerves. Apparently they used to set teachers off because of the scratch.
1: Oh, I can imagine that Mm -hmm. sound in my head.
0: They had to do the 11 plus. There were no, um, there was no supervision at break. Do you
1: want to explain what the 11 plus is? Because if anyone's listening to this, who maybe Mm. isn't here, like based in the UK?
0: Yeah, so the 11 plus is like an entrance exam into high school. We don't have it in Scotland anymore. No. The only place I know that still have it unofficially is Northern Ireland. I don't know about England. But Northern Ireland just did away with it, but then other well, but they then do academies their SATs, do but their own I don't know
1: what they I don't know if that then determines what school they go to. Mm. Cuz my cousins still, did it. I know there's still academies in yeah. England. Like my my high school was an academy, but I didn't So like I think previously that would have been the school people yeah. went to. But I obviously just went because schools. it was my catchment.
0: Yep, yeah. And I think the way it's done now is that this could be completely wrong but I think schools set their own whereas this was like government yeah. everyone set their 11 plus you know plus. someone's
1: going to come for you for that because no. you said this once in an episode and someone was like why would you not just take two minutes to google it before you come on because we just think <laughs> of these I've things i just finished teaching all day <laughs> within the conversation I don't want to stop to be like hang on let me google yeah. that
0: <laughs> honestly this is amazing this right she said my grand said she, if she listens to this she would be like why are you call me grand?' i literally call her <laughs> grandma um, class tests were common but we were always seated according to ability. So if you were smart, you went to the back and if you needed, if she said the slower ones at the front, so, if you weren't as smart, you came to the front. And if you were smart, you went up to the back. That's savage. How awful is that? Yeah. Like, imagine you did that nowadays. Number one, you had a fire in your class. Number two, you ditched the class to go <laughs> to, to go, the bank. Go to the bank. <laughs> and then you sat them based on ability. You just wouldn't get if you're away with that. If you were going to the bank,
1: you'd be gone for about three days trying to find one that's open nearby and I hasn't know. closed down.
0: Exactly. The last thing she said, just to kind of finish, finish this era off, is that she went to school. Over the period of decim- decimalization. there's a big bit of evolution. Yeah. So we changed from base 12 to base 10. Base 10. And she said that actually she couldn't understand why that would be easier. Like, why is 12 not easier? And that it took her years to actually get...
1: I can't even comprehend trying to teach a base 12 system. Crazy. But that. In my head, 10 makes sense, but that's just because that's what I've been brought up with. So I suppose like your grand depends on what you've been yeah. raised with
0: and what you've been taught. Do you know what I find is really interesting about the evolution of education in this country is the evolution, the, the rapid evolution right now of behaviour because I also messaged my mum to ask her, so you're, you're talking another 30 years down mm-hmm. the line, you're talking now the uh, 70s for primary school, I think, not to give away our age, but the <laughs> 70s or the 80s. And she put in hers, I'll just read it here, she said the belt was still legal, but only ever implemented in high school. So when she went to primary school, the threat was there in primary school and the primary seven teacher belted a chalk hand, like a hand that was on the desk. I don't know whether it was a handprint or like something made uh, the first day of school, which left them in no doubt of what was expected. (gasps) of them. Oh my gosh. Could you even imagine having a belt?
1: That's, I'm, I'm. I remember like my parents tell me stories about the belt and they said that my mum said she got it like one time, I think, but she, she was standing like the classic like this and she pulled her hands apart. But then it hits her legs, no? Yeah, but she, I don't know why she did it. She pulled her hands apart and then she got obviously in way more trouble for that. (laughs) So, but (laughs) horrific. I can't even imagine though as a human being doing that to somebody else. Like as a teacher, obviously if you're in that situation, that's, you've been your career the whole time. But how could you even imagine doing that to another human no. being? Never mind a child.
0: She just said in hers that they got an hour and a half for lunch.
1: What? That sounds fun. An hour and a half for lunch. Oh, they but did, did they things... not have like a really long day?
0: Maybe, I don't know. Like
1: where they may be in from like eight till...
0: She didn't say how long it was, to be fair. Everyone, girls all wore skirts. Everyone wore ties from primary one. Uh, stu- yeah. School trips were taken in parents' cars.
1: We, did, we didn't do polo shirts in my school. Like when I was did in, not? Pr- when I was in primary school, we were shirt and tie the whole way through, oh, wow. which Very is like posh. what I prided myself on being able to tie a tie. So uh-huh. when I started teaching, I was like teaching, you know, primary fives and they didn't know how to tie a tie. I'm like, how do you, I mean, primary sevens don't know because no. sometimes they just wear polo shirts the whole way through.
0: I mean, this is really interesting, right? We've spoken about, and this is the last point, we spoke about um, the involvement of us in the children's lives. And the last point that she yeah. wrote there was children sorted out their problems themselves with very little adult involvement. Do you think that's the case nowadays?
1: Mm, I think some children, yes. But I think that's a skill you need to learn. Learn, excuse me. And as a society now, we are far more likely, though, as a whole, not as just like children, to talk about how we're feeling about things. Whereas, do you not think, like, in the time when our parents were growing up.
0: Stiff upper lip.
1: It was, yeah, like, shove it under the carpet, you're sad. Oh, well, get over it. Yep. <laughs> you know? like
0: <laughs> No one cares. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Whereas now it is, yeah. obviously, we highlight the importance of making sure you're not doing that. Yeah. So it's hard to regulate emotions when you fall out with a friend. Yeah. But it's just that it's maybe not that they solved it themselves, but that it was just not really solved, if yeah. that makes sense. And then they forget like a week later and their are friends again. Because that's just what kids do.
0: Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, I think it's interesting to see those kind of shifts and approaches towards uh, how we actually view learners. Like what yeah. you said was, so kind of to swing all the way back around to your point, <clears throat> or as you say, to circle back to your point, um, <laughs> <laughs> to kind of come back to it, the way that we view learners, I think has been the biggest evolution. So if you go back to my grand's day, they left them on their own every Friday <sighs> afternoon. There was a fire that's a major health risk. First of all, a major health risk for the school burning down. Like it's not even yeah. like <laughs> um and then obviously they're they're viewed primarily as learners mm-hmm. there. They're viewed as a very utilitarian, like you are here to learn. Yeah. Whereas now you would say it's different, wouldn't you?
1: Oh, it's, you're also there to be nurtured. You're there to be, you're as a teacher, you're not just there to teach them the academics, you're there to teach them the life skills, you're, you're there to generally shape them as a person. Now, mm-hmm. obviously, again, something we've spoken about before and should really stop saying that because there's going to be, we've spoken about everything at some point in this episode or this podcast, but that kind of influence a teacher has on a pupil can ever really be underestimated, but that's probably an evolution of a more modern day approach in teaching where you're, again, viewing the child as a whole and all of their needs sort of encompassed into the school day and you're not just shaping them academically, whereas previously in education, if you think back, in my head I'm thinking of, I don't know if everyone did this in Scotland, but did you go to a Victorian classroom?
0: Scotland Street in, when, in Glasgow. Well,
1: I I didn't go to that one. I went to oh. it was ancrum Road, I think it was called. Right. Yeah. Um, I've got a great. Story go to from like a Victorian yeah. classroom, right? Mm-hmm. And you think I cried? I was the kid that cried because I was so I cried well. scared because I got asked the times table question and didn't know the
0: answer. So <laughs> we like, had like parallel universe experiences. <laughs> I
1: literally was so frightened, and then I had to get my teacher to take me out and go. It's it's not actually real. It's okay. <laughs> and talk me through and be like, it's not. It's not actually happening. It's fine. Yeah.
0: Um, I had the exact same experience where we went and we were doing a spelling test right and you went up and it was all cursive so the letter p in cursive looks like an h to me so and he went through the whole thing and i went up to the front and said h instead of p in the spelling and they the whole class started laughing at me and he like roasted me the guy and i went back and i was just like i don't think i actually physically cried but i was weeping inside It was so scary.
1: But, but we were thinking about that as like a fun, something we look back on. But then that was actually the school experience. Do you I mean like the mm-hmm. teacher was there to teach the academics of reading, writing, arithmetic, and then go home and you're not my problem anymore? Yeah. Whereas now it's totally not like that. Yeah. And you want to just generally shape them as as a a young learner who's prepared with skills for life and work. Like that is that is our whole mm-hmm. goal. So s- skills for life and work are not just can you read, can you write, can you spell? Like, that's that's not what we do anymore. That's yeah. not the job.
0: I know, and, you know, a kind of common pushback on that that you would hear is, and I want to get your thoughts on it, that you would hear is that, you know, that's too much for one person to do. Like, that is a lot of stuff to cram into a day. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's too much to, or some people think it's too much to, attend to their needs and nurture them and teach them the whole curriculum and do this and do that and pull all these threads together yeah. and essentially when it boils down to it, you are main job you are a teacher yeah what would you say to someone in that like it's not an argument but if they pulled that out on you what would you like
1: well that's that whole argument of blooms and maslow isn't it like maslow before blooms like you can't oh. you know <laughs> you, you've got to meet basic but, needs before any learning can take place like
0: explain blooms and maslow just in case so
1: Maslow is your kind of hierarchy of basic needs. I'm like, just in needs, case, you know, <laughs> explain it to me. <laughs> I actually can't remember the, the full hierarchy of needs in Maslow, but it's like, you know, you're able to be, you've got food, you've got water, you're comfortable, you're safe, like yeah, all yeah, those yeah. things, yeah. your basic needs to survive. Mm-hmm. And then blooms is your higher order thinking skills. So create is the top, I think, creating that kind, those kind of herbs, And the kind of bottom level is remembering, and it's like a pyramid. Mm-hmm. So you build up all your skills. And it's the whole idea of how are you going to get to that point of those higher, the highest order thinking skills if you're the child sitting in front of you emotionally not ready to, to do that. And I always think of this as well. If, if you had this experience where you're you're given instruction, right, you're, you're talking, you're saying, here's the task, here's the things we're doing. And there's a child who's had their hand up for like five minutes because they wanted to say something on your previous point. And it's just like, you have to move on at some point where right? you can't, yeah. you can't have everyone like constantly, you'd be there for hours. And then because they've got their hand up to speak about the thing that they so badly want to say, they're not listening to your instruction. And then they're the one that 30 seconds after you give the instruction, go, hang on, what are we doing? Yeah. <laughs> because they're just so focused on their point. So that's my kind of thing of if you've got it in your head or you're feeling a certain way, there's. it doesn't matter if this person is giving you the most interesting piece of information you're not taking it in. Your
0: inner voice is louder. Yeah, because
1: you're, you're so focused yeah. on how you're feeling or what you want to say that you're you're not taking it in. So yes, okay. Back when we're that was the way it was when you were just you were teaching them skills and that was it. Also, you can argue that academically you're teaching them to a certain level, but is that through fear, like? Mm are you ruling with fear? I don't want to rule with fear ever. Like, I don't want to ever be the teacher where they are scared of me. Yeah. And they don't want to come into my classroom because they're frightened. Like, I want everyone to come into my classroom and go, oh, right? You
0: leave your problems Yeah, like it's, yeah.
1: you know, and I can, ch- and I have I have got, I feel like, a good atmosphere with my learners. So they, they come and chat to me about the things. Like, it's Monday today. So my drink all, what did you do this weekend? Like, we went to a birthday party. I did this. I did, and I think it's adorable when they, I love it <laughs> when they come up And that's something I've learned with being the younger ones, though, because in sevens, yeah, okay, you got it sometimes, but it's the most adorable thing on a Monday morning (laughs) when they come over and they've got all their stories about the things they were doing at the weekend. And that's one thing when I came to four last year, I sort of primary four promised myself I was going to make time for because mm-hmm. I was guilty of like, you know in the morning you've got your register to submit, oh
0: check the lunches
1: are done, like you're yeah. maybe like just quickly loading up a slide or whatever it is you're doing and someone would come up to me and would be Jumping telling me something... song
0: down your throat. Yeah,
1: <laughs> telling me something they've done and I'd be like typing but kind of listening, like looking and typing at the same time. So like typing, then looking, typing, looking and not really giving them my full attention. <laughs> that is
0: so me. <laughs> but
1: like I didn't realise how that looked.
0: Yeah, it's terrible. Because in
1: my head I'm going, but I've got to get this done, can you tell me this later? But actually I'm going... I do want to hear what you have to say, but that's so rude. So now I just, I actually just make a point of saying, give me two seconds. I'm Uh just going to finish this because obviously I I need to finish my train of thought or I will absolutely forget. Of course. So I'm just going to quickly do this register. I'll be two seconds. Can you just wait? And then I'll turn around and like fully direct my attention to them. Mm -hmm. And you would never have gotten that. Oh no. Never.
0: And even even like, if
1: you think about how you used to come into
0: school. Oh my word.
1: Did you go, was your school like an old building? Yeah. And you had the girls and boys entrance?
0: Oh, not that old. No, like our, sorry. sorry, we never used <laughs> it.
1: like we never used it, yeah. but our building was that old. Right, okay. That's like scribed above yep. one door as girls, and actually was it wasn't in, I think it was in Latin. I Latin, I think it was. So like girls Latin, and then like Roman numerals for the years and whatever. And there was a girls and boys entrance. Now we obviously never used it, but that's how old my school building was in high school. Actually, not in primary school. My high school building was that old. It's now, like, luxurious flats because they built a new building and made that in flats. <laughs> Haunted. Um, but that was, like, gr- going in and like, single-file lines, girls and boys, there's no way your teacher's listening to you talking no. about your weekend.
0: No, it was silent. I mean, we, we, I still have that kind of level of we'll come in quietly, we'll settle down. In fact, even this week, I had to walk my class back out and walk them back in again. I'm like, sort of. This. it was Halloween week, to be fair, but, like, I think the way that we definitely view learners as different because we get so many comments um online on Instagram and TikTok that actually so many people say oh I wish I had teachers like this now, not to blow yeah. like to toot own horn here but like they do they said oh I would have listened so much more if I had teachers that were fun or I would have listened so much more if I had young teachers that were engaging and that kind of thing yep. to them it was old kind of snotty teachers now that's not everyone's case because my mum and her notes said like she loved all of her teachers, but they ruled with fear.
1: Mm-hmm. But like, I suppose if you're a pupil who isn't like, if I think of neurodivergent learners now and how much we understand about that,
0: mm.
1: take it back 50 years. Yeah. Nobody would have understood that yeah. because it wasn't... Things
0: like the Duns cap. Yeah, and, all and it I wasn't remember. anybody's
1: fault that we didn't understand it. It just, there wasn't the evidence, there wasn't the science, there wasn't anything there. So you would just be constantly getting into trouble mm-hmm. for not making eye contact, for example. And I'm thinking in my head... I would never ever, if I know a learner finds that hard, I'm never going to force them to do that. Like, I could teach you ways to help manage it. I think you should get that on a mug.
0: You've said that so many times. You love the eye contact thing.
1: (laughs) I do. Well, the best tip tip I I always give my class though is, and I got taught this, I remember I went to an interview prep when I was in high school and they taught us how to shake hands. Properly, so like how and really? we yeah we went round and we d- we shook hands with Yuck like your ten handshake. people or whatever yeah and it was like not too firm not too, and you make eye contact with the person mm-hmm. and then, um one of the people we were shaking hands with he said to me oh you don't really like like making eye contact with people and I was like no I find it really intimidating and he was like just looking between their eyebrows. Like, look right in between the eyebrows. And I was like, are you kidding? And you actually can't tell. Like, it looks like I'm looking in your eyes, but I'm literally yeah, looking I'm in between your eyebrows you. right now. <laughs> and you cannot tell the difference. And it totally takes away the fear. So I teach that to my class all the time. Yeah. And I will say to them, obviously, it's a good conversational skill to be able to look in someone's direction. Yeah. And I say to them, that just totally takes it away but if you think about the things you would have gone into trouble for, that's something that a neurodivergent or even just a learner who's not that confident yeah. finds hard.
0: I think to be fair, my mum like to give her, her like plaudits or whatever, she was like have you heard of like the ducks of a school? Have you heard of that? D U X, that's Latin. No. Have you never heard of that? No. So like it's like the top results in a school. Oh. She got it for primary school. So we always say, like, chill out, it's primary <laughs> school. Like, And it was like a tiny wee country school. But to be fair, data. like, it is quite cool that you got that. But also, like, that setup was perfect for her as a learner. Yeah. Because she was capable, she was obviously bright, she loved routine and all that stuff. But yeah. not everyone fits into that mode. No, it and doesn't I think suit we're everyone. much more. Um, aware of that now.
1: But then that's very difficult to create a classroom that suits everybody.
0: And I was just, yeah, th- that's literally my next point that it is so difficult for new teachers to actually mm. learn and, and for, for any teacher really to learn how to build a classroom environment that like <laughs> meets the needs of every single learner. I would say that's the hardest thing about my job is getting it right for every child. Especially with a
1: new class because you've got to adapt it every year. Mm-hmm. Every class is so different. They could be yeah. the same stage, but you are playing a different ballgame yeah. every single year.
0: Yeah. And I think that's one of the biggest changes is the way that we view how we approach mm-hmm. uh, these as people, not just as products for society or as <clears throat> you are someone that's going to go and do X, Y and Z job in yeah. your life and you'll stay in that job your whole life. Now we're giving you crit- critical thinking skills, life skills to go and explore whatever it is yeah. you want to do. Do you know what I think would be really interesting to like think about? inclusion nowadays and do it in victorian times like so for example one thing i do in my class right is brain breaks all the time every 40 minutes i'm taking a brain break
1: you don't realize you need them until you do them i know
0: and uh, we've talked about the research behind it before 40 minutes being the kind of limit of a child detention span nowadays that kind of thing could you imagine that in victorian times no what brain break do you want to do like get the chalk out and draw it.
1: Yeah, I know. But like, I mean, think of the ones that we do. Right. So we're always on the kids' Pop dance alongs are our favourite or the seated ones. The seated ones are so good. And it's obviously modern songs. You know, can you imagine doing that 50 years ago? No chance. Like it would be such...
0: With the fireplace.
1: Yeah. I know. With the open fire doing a dance along. Crazy. But those kind of things are where you think of school being that sort of whole experience, that fun experience, that positive memory, that way that, oh, that teacher is really thinking, okay, they're not listening right now, so instead of me then getting really angry and shouting at you for not listening, okay, I can see that we need to have a brain break. Here, what song do you want to do? Okay, let's do Antihero, that's their new one that's out, and we put a dance along on, we just have a laugh, we get a little bit silly. We sort of distract ourselves from the work for a little minute and we come back, we're back on track. You know, it's, it's a great thing to do, but it would just never have happened all
0: those years ago. It's now time for Telling Tales. Kids are always telling tales. So now it's our turn. What is your tale of the week?
1: Right, my tale of this week is... It's it's such a first world problem. I really... I can't believe I'm going to say this one. But in our school, since I started at that school, we've had a hot water tap.
0: Boiling water. Yeah,
1: boiling water. I'm not going to explain it to David because... We work in the same school. If you don't know, <laughs> we work in the same building, <laughs> oh. so he knows. But like those fancy ones you see all over social media, where they turn their tap and it's boiling water, and then the other side is like filtered, really crisp cold water. Like there, it's
0: it's the crispiest oh, water. Yeah, it's
1: the it's so satisfying when you've just finished teaching the whole morning, and I come down and fill up my water bottle with that water. I'm like, oh, chef's kiss, yep. so good. It's been broken. <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: and my other gripe is that it broke on Parents' Night. So it did. I came down desperately like, gasping for caffeine <laughs> and it wasn't working and I actually had to text and be like can Daniel and be like that's my husband and be like can you go to Starbucks and bring me a coffee because the kettles we have because we've not been used to having to boil a kettle takes so long to boil
0: and I just think in this culture of teacher well-being I need being the hot uh, the tap f- back at the <laughs> forefront of everything I just feel like that should be top of the list I
1: need my crisp water back I need my boiling tap And Please. it's full.
0: Isn't it? It's not just you've got your boiling water because you could get that from a kettle. Yeah, uh, but we kettle, also reduce the, the
1: microwave now because we have to have a kettle plugged in, so there's one less microwave at lunchtime so The microwave <laughs> How is How will we longer. cope? <laughs> How does one do their job? It's so. I know it's such
0: a first world. But do you know what the queue in the staff room now is ridiculous?
1: So, I mean, it's like I got to wait an extra like five minutes for my lunch, and you
0: don't know what kind of lime in that kettle. She's never, <laughs> she's never using the kettle again. U- I've
1: not used the kettle, and <laughs> I also am bringing like an extra bottle of water from home because, mm. like, school taps have limiters on them, so they can't go a certain cold, and they can't go yep. a certain, she's they a can't go below solver. and above a certain temperature. And I'm like, yep. I don't want, I don't want lukewarm. It's
0: giving Bear Grylls. It's giving Survivor she, series.
1: She's gonna go out to the the, lo- the little stream <laughs> and start filling up her <laughs> bottle and come back in.
0: Do you know what though? Like, Alor being silly and a wee silly goose time, that cold water will change your life. Like that cold water (laughs) hits different and i just feel like that should be resolved
1: teach health and well-being with confidence with happy healthy you a health and well-being resource designed specifically for curriculum for excellence with editable lesson plans powerpoints and resources happy healthy you provides teachers with everything they need for a comprehensive health and well-being approach across the school topics are built up progressively and are an age-appropriate level for all of your learners visit leckyscotland.co.uk to request a sample for your school
0: you can also save 20% off your purchase by using the code Inside Voices. Okay, pivoting back to pedagogy and education, I feel like we're both in a place now that we are so annoyed about that that we actually can't talk. (laughs) I can't comprehend,
1: that's it, just mic drop, I'm out of here.
0: Yeah, so back to evolution of education, we spoke really about how uh, learners are viewed differently now. How do you think curriculum and teaching methods are viewed or are approached differently now? Because, let's be honest. Changes all the time.
1: All the time. I think that's what's unique about all the teaching, though.
0: Time. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> it changes all the time.
1: Literally. But that is what's unique about teaching because whilst the job description stays the same, the way you do that job changes. Constantly, not even every year. Like every few months, there's a new way to deliver the curriculum. There's a new way. And you think about that across the curriculum. So there's a new way to deliver numeracy. There's a new way to deliver health and wellbeing. There's a new paperwork approach. There's a new, like, there is something new for every part of the curriculum all the time. And you're constantly doing professional development. You know, if I speak to people who work in other jobs, they're like, yeah, yeah, we got a new computer system and everyone's going crazy because it's taking so long to get used to. And I'm sitting there going, we'd be given like 30 minutes to work that out. And yeah. then on top of that, you're also, oh, can you use this new planner? Can you use this new, like, can you use all of this new stuff and do this new pedagogical approach and try this and try that and try this? And it feels like your brain is going to explode sometimes. Yep. It's so much to keep on top of.
0: Yeah, I think that is one of the issues with teaching, that, to be honest, that you constantly feel, I, th- I think one of the issues with teaching is that you constantly feel like you are, learning new stuff and forgetting what you learn Mm -hmm. do you feel like that i feel like i'm constantly putting into new practice new practices putting into practice new new ways of teaching but then maybe forgetting some stuff that's good and i want to be the person that learns and puts new things into practice 100%. If there's new stuff, I want to be the person doing oh, it. Oh, I want
1: to try it 100%. Yeah. yeah. But then
0: I feel like sometimes I look back over the last five years and I'm like, well, oh, I was doing that and that was great. It yeah. worked really well.
1: Also, I find it's quite hard to then judge the success of new practices you've put in place when it's changing like a year later. Yeah. You know, like you've just learned how to do something new in a subject or in a curricular area or a bit of paperwork and then it changes again. And it might be that it's changing for the better, but in my mind, I can't, I'm trying to balance out, say, right, okay, how do I measure the success of this last change? And now I've got another change and I can't keep up with it sometimes. That is really, that is a really hard part of the job is try to keep up with that. Like you said, you want to try it, you want to change it because presumably changes are for the better, right? But
0: if it's research based, if it's, yeah, of course. You find
1: yourself sort of looking back and going, wait, but hang on. What was good about the last change and how do I keep that and maintain that, but then also add this new change in? Yeah. You know?
0: Yeah. And well, we can kind of boil it down and talk about what you think is the best changes in the last whatever, how many years. But I think one of the biggest changes in the last, I don't even know, 20 years is our focus now on child led, student led, yeah. pupil centred.
1: people voice in general.
0: Pedagogy, yeah. Would you say, yeah, rather than the utilitarian? I have got this information for you here. it is. now there are benefits to that. hundred percent. People's general knowledge was probably much better.
1: Yeah, in those three subjects, though.
0: Yeah, like but, think
1: how much we deli- the, the curriculum is so broad.
0: I know, but I'm just like giving it. Like you wouldn't wipe out a whole way of no. teaching because. Oh, no, 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 definitely it not. Was, you know, fifty years ago, I think it definitely had its time. It definitely had its use, and there were major benefits to that for a majority of people. But now I think we're pushing towards more than a majority, we're pushing mm-hmm. towards the whole.
1: I think, yeah, but I, I think it's actually, people voice is one of those things you, when you listen to some of the things they say, you kind of have a bit of a light bulb moment yourself mm. and you go, oh, okay. Because sometimes you ask, right, okay, we we do learner conversations, right? So I was having a learner conversation about, um, we were talking about writing. And I said, right, okay. How do you, or is there anything you like that we do in writing? And actually, the majority of them said, I really like just getting time to write. And I thought the majority of them were going to come out and say they didn't like that.
0: Wow. Okay. Yeah.
1: But the majority of them said, I like being given like an hour and a half just writing time. And I was I was asking them to explain a bit more, and some of them were saying, you know, if we could maybe kind of like we've done this before, but if we can maybe do the planning the day before, like 30 minutes of it, and then the next day you say, okay, you've got your plan in front of you, just go. And we don't do any teaching. We just sit down and we we mm-hmm. write. Yep. And that kind of took me by surprise because I didn't think they were going to say that. So pupil voice, and that's also a confidence thing, right? That, if your students can sit down in front of you and challenge you politely. Mm-hmm. That is a real like tick box for me. That that's a good teacher sitting in front of you because your students are comfortable with you to say like comfortable enough to say I like this I don't like this.
0: Yeah,
1: which takes a lot of confidence. Oh, I would never. Yeah, they can deliver it politely. So mm-hmm. you've taught them how to disagree with respect. Really hard skill to do. A lot of people could learn how <laughs> yeah, to do yep. that. Like a lot of adults need to learn how to do that, and then. They feel valued enough that you want to listen to them. So if your people can sit you down and kind of challenge your thinking, tick for me. Like you're you're doing a good job as a teacher.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think um, there's obviously been big um, shifts in terms of daily practice that's come because of this. Like the biggest evolution, obviously, being the pedagogy shift to child led, people led, mm-hmm. rather than. Well, obviously it's teacher-led as well, but rather than just purely, I'm going to stand and chalk and talk here. And uh, I think one of the benefits of that, again, as you say, is people voice. But I think one of the benefits as well is not just people voice, but choice as well. You do this in your class. We've mentioned it once or twice. Magnificent Mondays.
1: Well, we do it on a Thursday, so if I called it that, that would be a bit bit strange.
0: Terrific Thursdays. (laughs) That is not
1: alliteration.
0: (laughs) Terrific (laughs) Thursdays. Howdy. <laughs> Thoughtful agree. Thursdays. Thoughtful
1: no, we Thursdays. don't actually have a, a name for okay. it. So,
0: well, anyway, the best way to do it is um, if you want to give your people some choice. You want to give them some choice in the morning, and they can choose when they do their tasks and.
1: How they do their tasks. I always get so many questions about this when I post a TikTok about it, like how. To be
0: fair, I've still got questions.
1: How we set it up and how that works and how you manage yep. it, and I got a lovely email actually from someone who was asking how, because she was teaching at the same stage as I am, how it's managed and things, and I. So basically, the the way it works is the the children come in. I do not on a Thursday, you do it on a Monday. And from like first thing in the morning up until, now I teach primary four, you teach primary seven, so this is older ones. Um, They come in in the morning at nine and they have until 12. So I cut it off at 12 so that we have 15 minutes to tidy up. And until 12, they can complete their tasks at any point. So I always give them three tasks, usually two independent, one teacher task, but some children might have two teacher tasks, one independent. Just depends um, to do. And they're up on like a whiteboard. The instructions are up. They know how to do it. It's it's usually something that they are pretty confident with. So, like, our independent task right now is always that we've got a handwriting thing that they're doing right now because it's just what we're working on. And then the teacher task might be over with me, like, doing something, a new concept. The other independent task might be working on something that we've been trying to kind of drill down, but they don't Mm -hmm. necessarily need that much more teacher input. And they can do them at any point between 9 and 12. And then other than that, they can play. We've got, like, Big, like games, social games, boxes, like board games and things. That's, have you ever listened to your people's playing a board game?
0: Monopoly's hilarious.
1: But it's funny who's the mediator in the situation. Yes. Like, I think it's so interesting listening to some of the a situation because yeah. it's never the ones you expect, but they go and they do play that. That's a fantastic social skill builder is like getting them to do that. And, I've recently been observing them on the living skills. So the living skills, like the different, mm. I know, I know the different <laughs> like skills you're looking for skills, and you kind of tick and see how they're doing with it. Um, they might play like Jenga, they might play Lego, they might go on Canva and design something. Yep. They might be like an art challenge, and they basically just play and do their tasks. Yep. And someone said, "How do you manage the not like it does not get really noisy?" And I'm like, I, I think they're just used to it now. Right. So it doesn't necessarily get noisy. And also, how do they do their tasks? Again, it's perseverance. Like the first few weeks, I was calling out 10 people to say, you know, you've still not done your independent mm-hmm. task and there's 10
0: minutes to go. I oh, know, I'm just getting to that point now where I'm Whereas like, okay, now I, I don't them.
1: really need to. Like they're, they've kind of got it down now. There's maybe like the odd week, there's a couple. Yeah. And they've just lost track of time. But the majority of the time, I yeah. don't need to. I personally
0: thing. can't see myself moving to every day.
1: No, but I don't think it would work in an upper school situation I don't think it does
0: because, well, our lower school does it, you know, every day. That's how they work. Yeah. I just think in primary seven, there's too much to get through. And also high school isn't set up like that. So it wouldn't be fair to them not to set them up. It would need to to be an entire shift
1: for that to happen. Like it would need to be an agreement across the country, not just across schools. Like I would need to be everybody on the same page. Yeah.
0: And I just think that you do get to a point where it's like, no, we've got work to get through here and I have got information that requires you to sit down and listen. So there's like a balance between those two things, but it's interesting that you said that the independent tasks, because I was reading again back to my mum's notes there that she said in her. So again, it's not something that's new, it's maybe just something that we're focusing in on now Mm -hmm. because she said... recycled. Yeah, it's almost recycled because she said in her literacy tasks or in her um, kind of reading tasks, they did comprehension through a book like a a Mm -hmm. textbook, which again, sometimes we use, but she just said in hers that she had like a Comprehension box, which was an independent task. And she liked working through the levels. Have you ever heard of something like
1: that? We have We've those
0: got comp boxes. So it's like, it's not as if we're reinventing the wheel no. here. It's just maybe there's more research on it. It's maybe yeah. that it's kind of come to light that it actually works.
1: But it's also like the Cousinier rods. So we were recently yeah. on a, a training course um, all about kind of concrete materials and bringing concrete materials um, out to learn different mathematical concepts and cuisenaire Rods was one of them. And you and I looked at them and went, oh, they're great. I've never used them before. Like, they're great to put into practice. And in my head, it made sense and I put it into my practice. But one of our colleagues was saying that we use these when she started, was it when she started teaching? Yep. And then it kind of got thrown out because children were memorizing the color yeah. Rather than and like the linking the, the color to a name, rather like, a color to the name, no, linking a color to the numerical value rather than linking the like the size of it, mm-hmm. and then they couldn't change the numerical value and all of that. So that's completely come back because now they're back again. And it's like no, 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 we're going to use these now. Mm-hmm. So they've been gone for however many years, yeah, and then they're back again. So you're right; it's not necessarily the things One get thrown One word for out. you: phonics. They just phonics.
0: How many times does that come back? In so and so many. Out. In and out. Yeah. Shake it all about. It's literally. <laughs> <laughs> it's literally been <laughs> in and out so many times. It comes in and out of fashion all the time, yeah. doesn't it? Like in America, get... it is huge right now. They're yeah. just, it's as if they've just discovered phonics on Instagram. I'm like, oh my goodness, we've I been see, doing it for yeah, years. Yeah, I
1: see phonics sessions like all the time on... like. Mo- I think it's
0: the science of reading. Have you seen that?
1: I don't know because their curriculum's so different. I think it, they can choose... It's like, like a, a big a... thing
0: at the moment, the science of reading. And I think basically it's like all based on phonics. Yeah. And I'm like, we've literally been doing that for 15 years so everything is just totally yeah it
1: totally just comes back doesn't it
0: yeah and i think just to kind of round that off i want to get your opinion on what you think will be the next thing in education because it's going to change it's going to evolve where do you think it's evolving to we've spoken about technology at length like (laughs) we could talk about ai we could talk about automation that kind of thing is do you think that's where it's going or do you think there's something else no
1: you can never replace a teacher with a robot we've had this conversation so many times like you can we've just spoken about teaching as now the you're teaching and you're teaching the skills but you're looking after the the child as a whole mm. what robot's going to be able to do that no I don't think that's going to
0: happen do you think it'll go back the way back to utilitarian back to we need these people to be able to do this job you need these skills
1: no I think it's going more in the direction of pupil led and pupil voice okay I think it's heading that way more Um, giving children more choice and I don't know where the balance is in that because obviously like you said there's sometimes you just have you do just have to say you need to sit down and listen Mm -hmm. and that's what this task is but I do think it's going to swing more in the way of pupil voice and pupil opinion and not that that's not extremely important right now but there has to be a balance and I think it's probably swinging more the other way right now and that might be what the case is in 10, 20 years, yeah. and individualised, completely individualised learning
0: Yeah, I don't rather I per- than whole class. Yeah, I personally don't see it swinging back to a fully knowledge-based curriculum no. like it used to be. It's much more skills-based now, and I think with AI and everything coming in, I don't see it swinging back to people being able to memorise 100 capital cities no, or things like that. Or maybe that's the thing that makes you stand out. I don't know. Maybe that is the thing that... That's your niche. That is your niche, that is the ability to actually control knowledge as a human that might be the thing that sets you apart in a day where no one has any knowledge (laughs) is that a hot take who knows
1: (laughs) if you've been enjoying listening to inside voices we would really appreciate if you took some time to leave us a review wherever you
0: listen so in this section we want to hear from you if you follow us on instagram or tiktok organized educator tpt
1: teach with mrs f
0: if you follow us we'll pretty regularly put a story up asking for your responses and your questions so you can respond to our questions let us know how you feel and we'll try and respond in this section. So one of the things that people are saying, I put an Instagram up and said how has education changed in the time that you've been teaching and the, I got a lot of answers but the most co-
1: <laughs> <laughs> There's no like didn't hear that! <laughs> that was- <laughs>
0: That's staying in. Um, The most common response I got was about paperwork. For example, this one here, paperwork and tracking check-ins are more important now. Um, This one here, much more paperwork now, focus on the child, Um, trying to focus on the child rather than the paperwork, but it's difficult.
1: it's just documenting everything, isn't it? Documenting like, eh, everything. Everything is documented.
0: Yep. Again, this one here from, I can't even say their name. I don't even know what it is. More expectations on teachers. Mm. Um, I think we've spoken That's about kinda that. That's kind of
1: what we spoke about when we said that it's no longer you're just, a te- you're just teaching the skills, you're everything.
0: Yeah. And this one here, interesting. Increasing focus on interventions and catch up paperwork rather than frontline teaching.
1: Attainment gap, COVID gap.
0: Yep. So would you agree with those?
1: Yeah, I think all of those things are... I mean, we've only been teaching five years, so it's hard to say. But even in that short space of time, the paperwork is a big thing for me. Yeah. I don't know if I was just maybe... When I was newer, I didn't really care if I said to like six, seven o'clock at night. And I was like, yeah, okay, that's fine. And now I'm a bit more like precious with my time. Mm -hmm. But the paperwork now, there's paperwork for everything everything. Not that it's a bad thing. I think... It also gives, you know, teachers something to look back on and say, oh, I actually documented that and I can go back and check, you know, it means you're not just going, oh, I forgot or it's down and it's good. But I would say that's definitely, even in the last five years, something that's completely different. It's, yeah. There's so much.
0: I think it changes from establishment to establishment yeah. as well. You go to a different school, it's different at different schools, different council, that kind of thing. I've experienced that moving between schools and the differences. you got you got to pick up quick. Like you yeah. got to know exactly what is expected of you. And that took me a little while, to be honest. But I think I would agree with the comments there that people have made that paperwork is much more fo- focused on now. Everything has to be documented. Yeah. You've got all of your pastoral notes you've got all of your um, interventions and things everything has to be written down for good reason like it's not that's not a gripe it's just it's just an added yeah. thing that you need to on do on top now. of everything else on top of everything else if you want to get in touch uh, just go to our Instagram or our TikTok again Organised Educator underscore TPT or
1: Teach with Mrs F
0: and let us know in our comments or in our question sections your thoughts Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Inside Voices, a teacher podcast made by Teachers for Teachers. Tune in next week when we're going to be looking at the subject of being a student teacher. And remember, in here, we use our Inside Voices.